You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 24 of the show. I'm your host as always, John Fody. First off guys, thank you so much for being patient with the show. It's been kind of a mess lately. I think moving from Alabama to Boulder has been a little bit more taxing on my schedule. Not because like I have maybe much more to do, but I think like on the weekends, especially when I used to have a lot more free time, now we're out running, we're out doing things. And I think we have a lot more of a fulfilled life here. And so I inadvertently took a few weeks off um, from posting episodes of the show. My apologies, but hey, it's summertime. I guess people take vacations in the summer. Um, speaking of which I'm about to head to Europe and take another couple weeks of vacation, but, um, the shows will start getting a little bit more and more consistent. Um, as we move into the fall, I've got a lot of great guests lined up and I'm really excited to bring those episodes to you. So have patience with me. Um, thank you so much for listening to type one around the podcast. Once again, thank you so much. Welcome to episode 24, introducing today's guest, Casey Schwenk. If you listen to the Bob, the, <clears throat> if you listen to the Boston special, You'll know that Casey ran um, in Boston with Benny and uh, Louise. If you listen to the Boston special, you know that Casey ran with Benny and Louise. And and Stephen. If you listen to the Boston special, you'll know that Casey ran with Benny, Louise, and Stephen. And we had all of them on together with an episode and just kind of an incredible precap, I guess, as to what they were going into. If you guys listen to the Boston special, you know that Casey ran Boston. I'm super excited to meet up with him and kind of preview his experience at Boston, which you'll find out he ends up doing incredibly well considering the, you know, the environmental conditions. And also a precap to his San Francisco marathon, which will be, um, well, I'll just let Casey explain it. Without further ado, here's my interview with Casey Schwink. Casey, what's up? Not much. How are you doing? Good. I blew up on a run a minute ago. <laughs> I, was supposed to be done oh, yeah. like, I was supposed to be done like an hour ago, and uh, it didn't work out very well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those days happened. Yeah, it was like it wasn't even as bad. Like I, what I normally try and do is I try not like if I know I'm going to run in the afternoon, I try not to like eat a late lunch. <laughs> and I, I did exactly that today. Like it was like the four hour mark since I'd eaten lunch, and I was like, hey, "It'll be all right. I'm just going to drink like this whole Gatorade and eat this gel, and I'll be fine." But no, I plummeted like right when I started climbing up um, a mountain that's like near my apartment, and. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I ended up having to walk out most of the way up it, which took me forever. So it took me forever to get back. So yeah, I apologize. Uh-huh. Yeah. What are you up to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just hanging out in my trailer right now. Headed over here to Tahoe to start work for the summer. And now I'm here. Wait, what do you work? Where do you work? What do you do? Uh, so I'm working at North star for lift operations. Um, and then just a couple weeks ago, I picked up a second job working for a firewood and tree service company. And so, so, and so you just live out of a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It's an 18 foot travel trailer that I got brand new back in the spring. 
What do you pull it with? Uh, Dodge Ram. (coughs) (laughs) That's super interesting because I feel like that alone presents a lot of like diabetic challenges, right? Like, I'm get. Oh guess, yeah. Well, I guess you have a fridge, right? But maybe you don't always have yeah. access to electricity. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a generator. Okay. Um, so the generator can charge the battery enough to run all day. Um, electricity has never been a problem. Uh, every once in a while, the fresh water tank runs out, and you got to go deal with that. But but yeah, I've got a bed. I've got a full bathroom. I got a fridge, full kitchen couch what is the best part about living in a trailer because a part of that like that kind of appeals to me in the sense that it's like so simplistic like knowing that like just everything that you are and have is like right here you know what i mean like it's not spread out it's not like too complex like it's streamlined Mm -hmm. yeah it really makes you realize how little you actually need um i think it's cool just you know being able to pick up and move at a moment's notice. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah. I've got a, a map of the country uh, posted up and I put push, push pins and run strings to all the places that I've been with the trailer. And, you know, since end of March, when I've gotten it, I've been through one, two, four, five, six, seven states. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Going to get at least two more in the fall. So when are you coming to Colorado? Uh, hopefully for the winter. For the winter, dude, you got to come up before that. You should come up like uh, just like a couple weeks during the uh, like the running season, so you could at least like see the high country in the running season. And yeah, I was I was in Summit County uh, in the summer a couple of years ago. Spent a yeah. few weeks there. Ran the Breckenridge Crest Marathon. Um. So yeah, I know it's it's nice out there, but when I was there in the spring, I was at a couple of ski patrol hiring clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, I'll have a job working at either Keystone or Breckenridge. Oh, wow! So I winter. I met my wife in Breckenridge, so we go back there every July if we can for our, our uh, anniversary. Oh, nice! Yeah, <laughs> so that's probably we'll be, we'll be. I guess we'll be there. Yeah, it's like two weeks away. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful there though. And Quandry's there, which I think we're going to do Quandry in a couple of weeks. So, uh-huh. but man, I, I can't believe I was in Lake Tahoe last weekend and I didn't know that you were there. That's hilarious. Yeah. So did you uh, run Western States? No, I just went and spectated. So I had a buddy that had a buddy who was running it. And so I met up with him and then Amy, uh, McKinnon, who is a diabetic uh, or diabetes oh, sports product. Yeah, she's a, I mean, kind of a you know a pretty impressive marathoner in her own right. I think she's like a like a maybe just a hair over three hour marathoner. Maybe. Ooh, I should. Uh-huh. I might be. I might be misquoting her times, but I want to say she's in like the three oh five, three ten range or something like that. But yeah, so she's an incredible marathoner, incredible runner. Yeah, and I uh, met her at the Boston Marathon a couple years ago. So oh, okay, yeah. So her. Um, husband is huge into trail running and uh, he was pacing a friend of his. And so they went up uh, to spectate and pace and I kind of met up with them and hung out with them for a while, which was pretty cool. And then I got to see Jim Walmsley. Uh, I kind of chased Jim the whole time, which was exhausting. Uh, (laughs) Just driving from aid station, aid station, running from the parking spots to the trailheads and 
to the aid stations. It was intense. I logged like well over 20 miles just trying to keep up with them. <laughs> they ran 100 miles, you know. But uh, uh, that was incredible. Yeah. Tahoe was beautiful. Um, I never realized how incredible it was out there. I never actually got to see Lake Tahoe, which was one of my goals this past weekend, but I ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess you'll have to come back. Oh, yeah. I I honestly think we'll do. I'm going to try um, and hop on like a cheap flight down there someday, you know, maybe to like Truckee or something on a small aircraft and, you know, hang out for the weekend. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, if I could, I want to back you up. For people that don't know Casey, when did you start running? Because you've, you've got a pretty impressive running career in your own right, especially, you know, you were already obviously on, you know, the episode – um, you know, a couple months ago now, dang, it was a couple months ago, um, maybe a month and <laughs> really? a half. Yeah. For Boston. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, pe- people are familiar with you there, but I'd kind of like to get the full backstory. You know, how did you get to the point where you're running and living out of a trailer with type one mm-hmm. diabetes? You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> yeah, back us up good if you could, and kind of tell us a little yeah, bit about so- Casey and kind of where you come from and what you're about. Uh, the story of how I started running, I actually really like telling the story. Uh, so when I was in third grade, my older brother was in fifth grade, and that was the point where we got to start running track in middle school. Uh, and I was hanging out at his first track meet, and one of his buddies set a school record in the mile. And I had kind of mixed feelings because, one, I thought that was really cool, and I also really didn't like that guy. So I decided that night that two years later, I wanted to take that record down. Um, and two years later, sure enough, I did. Um, and I'm still running today. So. Hey, wait, wait, and you were not type one at that time? I was not. Yeah. Um, wait, so when were you diagnosed? So I, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. Damn. Um. And I had, I'd run track all through middle school. I even did my first triathlon shortly after graduating eighth grade. I had just done a full season of cross country in high school and then was diagnosed a few months after that, right before track season. So I'm going to ask you something only because I think about this. Do you think you were grateful to get diagnosed at 14 or not? Like, are you bitter about that time being diagnosed? Because I, I think of getting diagnosed at 27 and I feel kind of grateful in a way like you know silver lining yeah. of everyone makes you want to like look at the positive i'm p- happy that i at least got to live 27 years without having to worry about it are you like yeah. happy that you got the first 14 years of your life without worrying about it or like were you pissed off that like that was the time that happened it to you yeah no i'm definitely happy that i got 14 years to eat cake at birthday parties <laughs> and not think about it yeah um but at the same time i'm also really happy that I was old enough to understand and uh, be able to deal with everything on my own. Um, I didn't even realize how happy I was for that until I started going to diabetes camp as a CIT and a counselor and looking at these really young kids who, you know, are you know, four or five, six years old, had been diagnosed, you know, at less than a year old. And their parents had to manage everything for them, and they hardly understand what's really going on. Yeah, and they, um, they don't really so, understand a life without type 1. 
yeah. So I'm definitely grateful to be able to know and be aware of everything that was happening at that time. And so what was running like for you then? Cause you obviously, you know, were into running at that time, you know, and how did, how did that affect your relationship with running and like yourself about running? I would say it made it even better. Um, because being diagnosed with diabetes, I then had to just be that much more aware of everything that I was doing, whether what I was eating, drinking, when and how far I would run. Um, I was just a lot more aware of you know, the bigger picture, not just running, but you know, the whole, every aspect of health that goes into it. Um, and knowing more helps everything go better. So you don't have epic crashes like I do and regret that you picked running as your diabetic sport. <laughs> oh no, I definitely have those. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think about that. Yeah. Like today, you know, I crashed, you know, I had, I've been running with type one for a year now, you know, it seems like I would have learned these lessons, but I, sometimes I feel like I make the same mistakes over and over again sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, every day is different. Um, even, even without diabetes, you're running, you have good days and bad days. Um, and then diabetes thrown in there. And sometimes something just doesn't go perfectly and not every run's going to be ideal, but what's every the best? once in a while they are. <laughs> what's the best run you've ever had as type one? I feel like it's going to be a race. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can, yeah, we, we could spend all day talking about that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Which race should I pick? Um, first one that comes to mind, actually, is Boston this past year. With uh, the weather? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the weather played a big part of that. I remember uh, in the podcast before Boston, I was talking about how I thought I was in shape to do about a three-hour marathon before considering the weather, maybe be a little slower. And I told you to ask me what my goal was going to be when I was at mile 16. And I'd give you an answer there. <laughs> and what, what became, <laughs> what became your goal? Um, at that point I was still on pace to run about a three Oh one. Um, and then I just decided at the bottom of the Newton Hills is like, Hey, I'm kind of over this. I want to get off this course and get somewhere warm. So I'm going to throw down these last 10 miles and get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I tried to keep uh, the same effort going. No, I, I kept the same pace going up the hills. And then when I got to the top of Heartbreak Hill, I realized I was still on pace to run a 301. I thought, if I go through all this effort and get a 301, I'm going to be real mad. Yeah. So then I kept the same effort and increased the pace going back downhill into Boston. And, you know, I kept looking at the clock and knowing I was going to be right on that three hour mark and uh, closed with my fastest mile of the day. Came in at 259 something. That's insane. What was your last mile? 
I think it was like a six ten. That's crazy, man. It's crazy to do that in a year where like even the most elite runners are just dropping out. Like just quitting. You know what I mean? Like some of the most yeah, elite and, runners in the world just quit. Like 15, 16 we, we miles were in were quit. And a lot of them went hypothermic. Yeah, I get that. But like some of them I think just quit. Meanwhile, here you are like finishing at a six minute mile. You know what I mean? It's insane. Yeah, we were talking about that and um kind of realized that a lot of these elite runners, whether they're coming from you know Kenya or Southern California or the training someplace that's ideal for training through the winter they had never felt temperatures below 50 degrees all winter and then suddenly you throw this at them you know it's not surprising that they don't have their best day yeah Um, i can believe that well while i was on the course i actually met a guy who was running the race in (laughs) flip-flops it turns out he was running the Boston Marathon in flip flops because he had lost a bet with a friend. No way! How, what what time did and, he finish it? If, I mean, if he was near you, he must have been doing pretty good. He finished in a two fifty nine. No way! <laughs> like, were they yes. running flip flops or like regular flip flops? No, just regular flip flops. That doesn't even make sense. I don't know how someone could run that fast with flip flops on. I get like running uh, flip-flop, like Luna sandals, you know what I mean? They're like designed for running, but just throwing on a pair of like reefs and just <laughs> knocking out a 259 doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, I don't know, but you know, more power to them. Where do you run in Tahoe? Like are uh, you like trail running everywhere. or road running? Uh, I've been doing a lot of both. Um, so I try to do my workouts uh, on roads. And then my easy days on trails. Um, so, because you know, training for the San Francisco Marathon at the road race, so that's you know what I got to set my focus on. Yeah. So, and then since the, you mentioned it, time, before we go on a tangent, all right, <laughs> you are training. It's fine. We'll, we'll go on like five, ten more tangents. But so you're training for the San Francisco Marathon. Mm-hmm. One of the great reasons I wanted to bring you on was kind of capture some of those, you know, pre-race thoughts, um, you know, some capture some of that training, capture some of those kind of tidbits that everyone can use in order to increase, you know, their level of understanding with running and diabetes. And before I get too far away from that topic, like kind of talk a little bit about like, what are your goals for training and like, what are your goals for your diabetes going into, you know, San Francisco? When is San, when is San Francisco? By the way, uh, it is at the end of July, uh, yeah. it's July twenty ninth, and uh, for me, San Francisco is going to be my twenty sixth marathon for my twenty sixth birthday. Yeah, that's incredible. So that's why I had to do a couple races in Utah just to get them over with, so this would line up to be the twenty sixth. Yeah. Um, so I guess. My goals for as far as diabetes goes, just to have stable and controlled blood sugars through training and through the race. Um, that's kind of just always the goal for every day. Yeah. What's your time and, goal? Uh, you know, I think I can go for a PR. Um, it's not the most ideal course to run a PR. However, I'm feeling like I'm 
in pretty good shape and especially getting the train up at elevation right now um we'll we'll see how much that can that can help me uh right now my pr is 249 30 i oh, believe wow. um that's, so it's freaky fast man you're a fast dude so so given how boston went and how training has gone since then <clears throat> i i'm gonna go for a pr what altitude are you at there so I, when i was in squaw i think it's like Five thousand something, maybe close to six. Are you actually uh, in Tahoe higher. City? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Lake level at Tahoe is sixty two hundred. Oh, um, Truckee's at six thousand, I believe. Okay, you're up there, um, man. You're higher than me in Boulder. I'm only at like fifty three something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're doing good. You're gonna get down to sea level and feel like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So. Talk to me about, because like I, I still struggle with this, and I'm always looking for tips. Like, are you pump or MDI? I do injections. Yeah. Okay. So that's good, because so do I. So I'll be able to take a lot of like usable information out of you here. Help me be a better multiple daily injection type one runner, because like I want to capture like how you're so successful in these marathons on MDI. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to shadow you for like the morning of and through the race, if you had to give me a synopsis on that, like what would I be doing while I'm shadowing you mimicking like your blood sugar, uh, control. Mm -hmm. So given that, you know, you wake up and you're in your ideal range, whatever that may be, it's different for everyone. Um, say your blood sugar is, whatever you were wanting it to be when you woke up in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I'd like um, to wake up around a hundred, you know, that seems like a normal, mm-hmm. I, some people like to wake up higher, but I, I feel like waking up every day at a hundred gives me like good number, like good averages. You know what I mean? Like good ranges mm-hmm. or, you know, my Dexcom and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to wake yeah. up at? You know, between 90 and 110, I'd say. Yeah. 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 That seems normal. I I feel good. Like I wake up at one thirty and I think to myself, like, you know, I probably screwed something up, but whatever. I'll move on with my day. <clears throat> Sorry, I already got you on a tangent. You woke up at hundred. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and you know, so you, ideally, I'd want my blood sugar to be slightly on an incline going into the race because uh, exercise tends to have its lowering effects once you start running uh, especially yeah. later in the miles and you haven't bolused at all that morning right uh it depends on what i eat uh so usually i'll take like you know maybe half a bolus for whatever my breakfast is yeah um and kind of send it comfortably in the right direction mm-hmm. um and from there throughout the race you know go based on how you feel and uh, adjust as necessary with you know, whatever the race has on course or whatever the friendly spectator is handing out. Uh, mm. Usually go through a few goos and gels, a banana. Do you um, reduce your basil the night before? Yeah. Usually I, um, that kind of depends how, 
how everything goes in training. Um, sometimes I'll reduce it more or less based on how reducing it during the lo- previous long runs have, has gone. Um, and that can vary race to race. Uh, you know, trail races sometimes are, you know, they're going to be out there longer, even though it's still the same distance with you know, long technical climbs and descents. The trail races can take me sometimes four, five, six hours, whereas a road marathon is closer to three. So knowing that can also affect how much you do or don't want to reduce your basal rate. Have you always been on MDI? Yes. So, yeah, so <laughs> that's interesting because I feel like I love MDI so much, but it's because I was on a pump and it like pushed me back to MDI and like I hated my pump and so I went back to MDI. Mm-hmm. But I will say that's one yeah. of the benefits of having the pump is that people can do like temp basils the hours going into, you know, their run and they maybe have to worry a little less about having that long acting insulin in them. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I always counter with, like, you know, to me, as long as I haven't bolused that day, like, let's say it's in the morning, I won't bolus at all. Like, I'll eat breakfast and I just won't bolus for it because I know it'll come back down. Yeah. Like, even if I do spike to, like, you know, 2.30 or something, like, it's going to come back down. Especially, like, once I step off, I'm going to be so happy that I don't have any Novolog in yeah. me. You know what I mean? And I'll feel yeah. so much better and, knowing that I don't have that in me because I won't have to worry about dropping. Um, yeah, I've... I've never bolus during a race. Oh yeah. No. Um, and you know, it's kind of cool, especially with, you know, longer race or a lot of times on training days, even if I'm doing a long bike ride, if I'm going a hundred miles and you're just constantly fueling yourself and your blood sugars hardly change at all. Yeah. <laughs> For San Francisco, are you going to even have insulin on you? Uh, I'm not going to carry it with me in the race. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you're going to go, you know, three hours without insulin. Uh, well, on you. you yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. So you'll have your sla- uh, but, selecting. Yeah. But also, San Francisco, it's got an early start. I think the start time is like 5:30 a.m. Yeah. It's uh, just funny because that's like taboo to a lot. Of, a lot of people wouldn't go. A lot of type ones wouldn't go anywhere without insulin on them. You know what I mean? I've I've met people that are you know like they don't go to the grocery store they don't go to the gym they don't go down the street like everywhere they go they have their insulin on them a lot of people it's because they have a pump but a lot of people even on mdi they take that pin everywhere um Mm -hmm. but that's one of the things i love about mdi is that i get to not take i love going like i'll wake up in the morning and i don't take my glucometer with me i don't take insulin with me i'll go to like 10 minutes down the street to the gym work out and come back i don't what Mm -hmm. i don't need insulin i'm not gonna eat i'm not gonna have a once in a lifetime random spike, probably. <laughs> I, love, I love not having to take it with me. So that's super yeah. interesting that you're going to well, run the, Boston, uh, or that you're going to run San Francisco without any insulin, like extra insulin. Yeah, um, but I do remember the the first half marathon that I ran post diagnosis. I did carry uh, a glucometer and insulin, and I tested my blood sugar a couple times during that race uh, just because it was still new to me. 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. If you're learning about your own diabetes, yeah, then you you need that stuff. Yeah. But if you're at a spot where you know, like, hey, I've had diabetes for years, and I've never had a spike in the morning while I was at the gym, I've always just gone down a little bit. Well, I'm like, yeah, don't eat, so don't take your insulin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you definitely got to know yourself. Yeah, and a lot um, of people, you know, have history of like severe lows, so they have to worry about that. Um, me, I, I am not at a point yet where I have to worry about it. And it doesn't sound like you are either to where like you have to stress about it. You know what I mean? Like you have to take your glucometer everywhere with you and you're having to stress about, you know, lows. Uh-huh. So, but having the race start so early in the morning really kind of throws a wrench. I'm in the whole schedule. I'm not, I almost hardly know what to expect. Um, you know, in Boston, We'd wake up at about five thirty, you know, have your breakfast, get on the bus, head out to Hopkinton. You're monitoring your blood sugars for a few hours in the village. The race didn't start till ten a.m. So with a five thirty a.m. start, that's you know working backwards from that. I'm going to eat, be eating breakfast earlier than I've ever eaten breakfast before in my life, I think. <laughs> I feel like you'll be <clears throat> only cause it's like, so early. I feel like you'll be more insulin resistant that early compared to later in the day. Right. Maybe that would be my guess. My guess is that you'll be more insulin resistant. Like, so you'll probably, I, I feel like you'll see a higher high than you normally would. Like, let's say if the race was at like nine or 10, if you did uh, everything the same. That's just uh, my guess, though. Yeah. I'm going to have to try out, you know, going for a couple long runs at 5, 5.30 a.m. and see how that goes. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> so, You're not on Instagram. Yeah. You're not on Instagram, are you? Uh, that's an interesting subject. So, <laughs> <laughs> If you were on Instagram, you would have known that I was in Squaw last weekend and you'd have been like, oh man, I got to go meet, I got to go see John Bodie at Squaw. So, so a couple of years ago, I tried to make an Instagram account and then as I was trying to log in, something happened. There was a glitch in the system. Anyways, it kicked me off and told me my account was deleted because I was not following the rules of Instagram. I'm like, really? I haven't even logged in yet. Why, why are you getting rid of me? <laughs> That's weird. And so I figured, well, I didn't want an Instagram anyways. So you, and don't, then, you don't think it's time to a, get one now? And then a couple months ago, a friend told me like, hey, you know, you actually do have an Instagram. And apparently people can tag me and follow me, but I can't log into it and post anything. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's safe to say you should open a new one, uh, <laughs> and you should get up on there. Cause I feel like a lot of people need to see what Casey's up to. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's not, I mean, there's a few and I've had a lot of them on this show, but I feel like the community always needs like incredible, talented role models, um, you know, in the, in the type one community. And I feel like type one on Instagram is a pretty dense community. You know what I mean? And people can really interact and learn from you. I think on there, not that you have to get an Instagram because obviously people were people long before Instagram and Facebook, but I think it's definitely a platform that 
people could mm-hmm. follow you and learn a lot from. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> without Instagram, people might not really get to experience your San Francisco marathon. You know what I mean? Unless they follow mm-hmm. you on Facebook, which Facebook doesn't always give people that, you know, that same platform that Instagram does in order to really feel connected to someone at an event. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm thinking about that now only because. I'm going to be, I think, in Italy while you're running San Francisco. And so I'm thinking, like, man, how am I going to track him while he's running? You know what I mean? How am I going to know how he did? Um, but I follow you on Facebook, I think. So I could try and reach mm-hmm. out to you there. But um, All right. I'm excited to I'll, see how you do. I'll get my act together and get a social <laughs> media presence going. Well, and you're like <laughs> a traveling hip dude who uh, lives out of a trailer. I feel like you have a lot of cool pictures to post. Uh, yeah, especially like Tahoe. Like Tahoe is beautiful. I like. I just googled the pictures of it, and it's incredible. Anyone listening, Google Lake Tahoe, and it's going to be. It almost looks like a paradise. I never realized that until I started mm-hmm. looking into it. Yeah, so f- back it. me up a little bit too. I'm trying to figure out how you made the. Like, did you run in college? Like, were you like a college runner? Uh, I did not run for my college. Uh, when I first got to college, I was trying to take a little break from running and I was on cycling team. Uh, so I've raced mountain bikes, raced the road season, uh, even raced on a velodrome a little bit. And then like most kids in college, you're on a pretty limited budget and bikes are pretty expensive the more you get into them. So came to the point where I just had to give up on that and get some running shoes and go back to running. And that's when I ran my first marathon. Uh, I did the Seattle Marathon in 2011. That was my sophomore year at college. How did that go? It went a lot better than expected, actually. Well, because um, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, it's your first right. marathon. But you probably already had, like, really good blood sugar control, at least around exercise, because mm-hmm. you were already cycling so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, the learning curve wasn't exercising that Exercising was nothing new to me Yeah, by any means. Um, I went into, ra- into the race not really knowing what to expect. So I thought, you know, first marathon, maybe I should shoot for four hours. Uh, and ended up running the 321. <laughs> um, what the hell? That's insane. But yeah, as with many first marathons, you get, 18, 19, 20 miles in, and you know, I feel pretty good. You get 21 miles in, and oh no, this was yeah. <laughs> you that glycogen wall. Yeah, one of my favorite things to say about the marathon is that you can divide the race into two equal halves the first 20 and the last six. <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. So to this day, I've still never run that distance like on a road on, like on the roads you know what i mean like for time per se mm-hmm. so i really couldn't i don't even have much experience past like 20 miles and knowing like what that feeling is like mm-hmm. yeah so i mean every person is different so this isn't gonna hold true every time but on average it takes about 100 calories per mile and your body stores about 2,000 calories at a time. <laughs> that only get do the math, and that'll get you right to mile 20. Yeah, and that's where the wall comes from. And so, um, even so, even if your fueling is just incredible the whole time, like you're gonna, if, you're still gonna you, feel it. If you fuel along the way, you can break through it. I've 
definitely had races where I feel I didn't hit the wall and actually get stronger yeah. as the race goes on. Uh, Boston this year is an example of one of them. Um, and that's cause I fueled along the way. And now I think about it, maybe fuels more and more, more often later in the race. Um, so, but that just kind of takes experience knowing, knowing how you feel and what you need when, when you feel different ways at different points of the race. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit of like, what are your thoughts going into San Francisco? Like, I feel like this is a big race for you. Like, do you even get nervous for these races anymore? Like, do you get excited? Like, do you, you know, worry at all? Or is it like just Casey's, you know, another walk in the park? I get excited. Definitely. Are you going with anyone or are you going by yourself? Uh, yeah, I'll have a handful of friends down there. Um, my brother is actually planning on running his first marathon. Um, so he'll be there and I've got some friends coming from out of town, hang out for the weekend. Yeah. Are you in the, the Bay area type one run group? Do no. Oh yeah. 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 You should do that. Are you on Facebook? Do you have a Facebook? You're on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I follow you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. We were Facebook, we were Facebook messaging. Okay. Uh, yeah, you need to get on Facebook and join the uh, the Bay Area Type One Run Group. Um, that way, not that you need it. If anyone wanted to, they could come out and hang out with you or run with you. There might be some of them running. It's been a while since I've um, dropped into the, the Bay Area group, but um, incredible group of people. Um, they have a lot of members from what I remember. Um, and so I, I can imagine some of them probably are already going to be out there. They might as well link up with Casey and give him a high five while he runs his two forty five. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So definite kudos. It, and that's really for everyone that's in all of these cities. I mean, there's like a hundred type one one groups now. Um, and I'm always amazed when I find someone, who's type one loves to run lives in a city and doesn't follow the type one run chapter there. So it's like, it's still growing and it's still progressing. I always try and, you know, get people in these groups because, um, just the community in them and, you know, getting to be around these other type ones and just kind of, you know, spreading awareness and understanding of type one, I think is, is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely community can do, a lot for people, you know, whether it's running or, or anything. Um, that's, that's one thing that I find I don't have so much living in a trailer. Uh, always moving is like, I'm, I'm always the new guy in town. Uh, it's hard to, it, it, it takes a while to become part of a community. Yeah. How long it's, have you been in Tahoe? Uh, about a month now. Dang. It's beautiful there. <laughs> and when are you leaving? You're not leaving until what? San Francisco? Uh, yeah, I'll go down to San Francisco for the weekend for the race. Um, but I'll... Oh, and you'll like leave your trailer? Y- yeah. Okay. We'll leave the trailer at wherever I'm camping. Um, San Francisco will be just a weekend trip in the middle of summer. 
Do you have a and dog then, or like a cat or anything? Because I'm visualizing uh, myself. Okay. What's your dog's name? Arroyo. Yeah? Is he a runner? Yep. He's a little beast. Can he keep he keeps up with you on your twenty mile training runs? Uh yeah, he can. Um he he does a lot better in the winter than in the summer. Uh he's a little black dog, so the heat can get to him. Yeah, he just absorbs uh, heat. Yeah, it's been pretty too. warm here the last week or so. Uh, so the last run we tried to go on, we got about half a mile and then just laid down in the shade. Yeah, so this makes sense because <laughs> I was visualizing you like in a camper by yourself, but I feel like a dog really really rounds out the experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think I, I might get lonely in a camper by myself, you know, traveling across the country. Mm-hmm. So what's next after San Francisco? You might have said this, but... I want to say you're coming to the high country for the winter. Hopefully do you plan on staying in Tahoe until then? Uh, yeah, I'm planning on staying in Tahoe through the fall. Um, and then, you know, the winter is kind of wherever the next job takes me. Yeah. Well, Um, what's great about the winter here is that even there is still a lot of areas that you can run. Like I'm going to make you come run with me sometime this winter. Good. (laughs) because <laughs> it still gets you know sunny and warm here like on random days in the winter and you know i follow a lot of like you know boulder and denver and you know telluride kind of based runners and they're running all year round in the mountains like yeah some sections are snowy and some trails you know and they need spikes but they run you know they go for it uh-huh. yeah but uh cool. yeah man i'm not gonna keep you on here all day uh we'll kind of transition into the last section which is tempo talk and feel free to branch out and kind of make as many San Francisco references as you'd like, uh, only because, <laughs> you know, that it's kind of the focal point for you and I'm excited for you to get there and I'm curious to see how you do. But, uh, yeah. So tempo talk, what's funny is I always ask, uh, people this question, but, uh, <clears throat> sugar or artificial sweetener. And I don't, I, I don't know if I got to answer, um, answers of any of these questions on the last show. I don't think I did. So as a diabetic and as a runner, real sugar or artificial sweetener up in that camper of yours? I usually go for real sugar. Um, I think it tastes better. And you know, as long as you're aware of what you're eating and balance it accordingly and can keep your blood sugars in check, which I don't have too much of a problem with, then... I definitely go for real sugar. I can respect that. <clears throat> so you're not on Instagram. So you might not have an opinion about this question as much. Public posting of A1C. Like where does Casey stand? Like is that a cool thing to do or is that like why are you posting that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, there's two ways to see it. Um, one, it is – some people would say that it's private information um, and you could argue that what's right for one person is not right for the other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, myself personally, I try to tend to stay away from, you know, publicly posting things like that or, or ever saying specific numbers. Cause I don't want someone to, to try to do exactly what I'm doing just because I do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I want everyone to figure out what is right for them and do that. Yeah. 
It, uh, what's funny is I've talked to, I've talked about that before too, I think on other episodes, but it's like one of my goals for the show was always to kind of bridge the gap between the norm and that, you know, that, like what you're just saying right then, like getting people to try something mm-hmm. that you did just because it worked for you. And at a certain but, point, there has to be a little bit of that. Cause what I, my experience yeah. is when I got into the community was it was like, it's only people talking about generic scenarios and I don't learn anything from that. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. they do say something and I try it and it goes terribly for me, but at least I tried, you know what I mean? It's better than uh-huh. going into your endocrinologist and them just saying like, Oh, well you should be cautious and be careful and don't die. And they're like, all right, well that didn't freaking help at all, man. Like, thanks. Now I feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and it's the same uh-huh. thing for a lot of like online forums and it, Unfortunately, you know, the, the ADA and JDRF, they try and help too, but they're kind of bound legally. You know what I mean? Like they can't give you like super specific advice only because diabetes is so variable. You know what I mean? And they don't want to get yeah. anyone sick or in the hospital. But like yeah, but if you have diabetic friends time. at the same time, they're going to be like, no, bro, like you need to be eating this right now and doing this and it'll probably work for you because it works for me. And that was always one of my goals was like to bridge the gap between, okay, let's be cautious and not putting one in the hospital but let's give people some freaking tangible things that they can actually go out and do next week uh, yeah. when they are at their 10K. You know what I mean? Like, or they're running mm-hmm. a half marathon. Like, we need to give them real advice because they're actually going to have to go do this next week. And hopes and dreams from their endocrinologists aren't going to do shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So don't feel bad about saying any specifics on here because I always caveat it with, like, hey, be an adult or, <clears throat> you know, if you're underage, consult your adults or consult your doctor and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about running a marathon and I'm thinking about doing what Casey does and not bolusing for most of my carbs that morning. And they'll be like, yeah, that could work. Or they might be like, don't do that. But at least now you know that that's what Casey does and it works for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so tangent done. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead. To, to go on though. Like you know, at some point, if, if someone, you know, is a diabetic struggling with blood sugars and struggling with A1C levels. And then they get a good one. It's kind of like, it's like getting your report card in school. Oh yeah. And if you're a C, if you're a C student and suddenly you get a B plus, you know, be proud of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I see that all the time you too. Post about it, <clears throat> be proud of it. Yeah. I see that all the time too. People post like an A1C of like eight, you know what I mean? And, you can noticeably see on there that some people are like, why are you posting this? This is not even a good A1C. And I'm like, how are you going to hate on them? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know where they were just at. They might've just been at the tens, yeah. you know, they might've been in nines for years. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden this eight shows this, this progress towards, you know, better control. So I try not to hate online, even though some people just, just beg for it. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think we're on the same page here. Um, in some ways it's it's also similar to you know posting your finishing time in a marathon oh yeah uh, a, a lot of times if people ask me how to race go i'll try to avoid answering by saying what my time was yeah because it's that, not a picture it doesn't give that full picture that, that's you know what what i try to avoid a lot of times is if i have a bad race and didn't run well say you know my time was like a 306 or 308 and i'm not happy about that if 
then someone asked me, oh, how'd your race go? I was like, oh, it was terrible. I ran a 308. <laughs> They're going to be like, dude, that's a lot faster than anything I could ever run. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, well, yeah, everyone yeah but I was hoping to run a 250. Yeah. And it's a lot slower than I wanted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody's different. Man, favorite uh, favorite piece of running gear, non like non diabetes specific. You know, not like not your glucometer, not like your insulin pen, mm-hmm. but like your favorite piece of running gear um, that you think makes you a successful type one runner. Hmm. I mean, I'm just gonna have to say my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dude, I thought you were gonna say something cool like, oh, like my handheld bottle because I can like put gels in there <laughs> you're like my shoes yeah, I I mean, guess. I'm, I'm pretty simple uh, uh, it's the worst answer i've ever <laughs> that question. i'm sorry no you're good it's funny but, though but i i run really simply i don't yeah you're like a caveman you just got there just in shorts and a shorts and shoes and just run yeah there's there's aid stations along the course they'll hand you water they'll hand you shoes and gels some spectators will probably be out there with bananas or who knows what yeah um i don't wear a watch or any gps or any of that what no never like you never even trained with watch on sometimes i'll train with a watch but it's not one of those fancy sports watches it's just something that has a timer so i can track intervals yeah Um, how do you know how far you've gone it, if I'm on a track, I can count the laps. If I'm out running somewhere else, I'll you know just kind of know if I'll map it out on Google Maps before I head out, and then I run that course. Do you run with your phone on you? Usually not. Are you on the Dexcom? No. No, so you're just running blind. Dude, you are a caveman. You're just going out there like... <laughs> just like a wild man you know what i mean just like a mountain lion you're just going and running uh-huh that's intense i can respect that i'm gonna rip my dexcom off right now <laughs> <laughs> no i've been there i've been like at that free spot where i don't have dexcom i don't have insulin i don't have my phone i've always had a watch though that's funny that you don't even run with a watch <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't have asked you that question. Worst question to ask a caveman who runs with nothing, but that's awesome. Now I feel like I understand you that much more. My shoes. Yeah. Um, something you wish everyone knew about type one diabetes. I wish everyone knew that it doesn't have to hold you back from anything that you may want to do. Um, I've, talked with people before that'll say something like, Oh, I, I want to go run this half marathon, but I'm scared that it's too far to run with diabetes. Uh, And I actually heard somebody say that as I was, uh, hanging out. I was here in Tahoe a few years ago. I was working on the race directing crew for the Tahoe 200 mile endurance run that Stephen England was about to run. Yeah. And then I listened to this person say, oh, I'm scared to run 13 miles because I have diabetes. Like, okay, hold on. Time out. <laughs> hey, Steven, come on over here. Yeah. So uh, 
how far are you about to run? <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's a hurdle, but, you know, nothing that really has to slow you down or hold you back from doing anything. Absolutely. Uh, that's kind of the mission of Team Type 1 to get the word out there on that and you know, show the world what still could be possible. Yeah. <clears throat> what is the motto for Team Type 1? I think it's like changing diabetes or something like that, right? Yeah, changing diabetes to educate, empower, and inspire the world affected by diabetes. Have you ever not done anything because you're Type 1? No. Nothing? No. I can respect that. Every day um, when my wife and I walk down the street, there's like all these like artisan bakeries and ice cream shops in Boulder. And a lot of days I don't go. Some days I do. Some days I get this big old gelato and I eat it and it works out fine. But a lot of days I don't do something because of my type one. But I don't think I don't. I think like you, you know, I, if I want to travel the world, I'll travel the world. You know, if I want to run a hundred miles, yeah, I'll just run hundred miles. I mean, it's not that I, not that my knees would hold out for that long because I think my knee or back would give out. Yeah. But my diabetes, I don't think, would stop me from running a hundred miles. Um, yeah, and you know, sure, there are days where you know your blood sugar just horribly crashes and you have to skip <laughs> the run because yeah, because your blood sugar is out of whack or. Uh, uh, you don't get to eat your lunch that day because you forgot your insulin at home. Um, but you know, other than that, you know, there's can't think of anything I just haven't done because I have diabetes. Absolutely, uh, I still go run marathons, go on backpacking trips, go skiing. Well, Casey, it was a pleasure, man. I appreciate you spending your time on a Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, kind of sharing a little bit about you know what it takes to be you know Casey and training for San Francisco and kind of who you are. But uh, yeah, once again, thanks for your time, and um, I appreciate it. Alrighty, thank you. Hey guys, so that wraps up today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. It's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week. If you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show, make sure to reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at type one run podcast or at type one run.org slash podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Train hard, train happy, and leave no one.